0: Welcome to The Alabaster Jar, a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry. We are pleased to offer Alabaster Jar as a podcast of Northern Seminary. This week, Amanda Bedra returns to the podcast as we continue our Advent series. Amanda is an award-winning author. Her books include The Love That Set Me Free, Five Habits of Godly Resilient Women, Overcoming the Fear of Death, praying Proverbs, and becoming Queen Bathsheba. Much of her work is grounded in the redeeming, empowering, and transformative power of God's love. Hi, Amanda. I'm
1: so glad to have you back on Alabaster Jar.
0: Thank you so much for
2: having me. I was so excited to get to um, be invited second time round. so I'm looking forward to this episode again.
1: Great, great. Well, last time we talked about Bathsheba, and it was an incredible conversation. This time we're going to talk about Christmas, which is such a a fun season. And you know, honestly, there also I know in my own life um, there can also be some sorrows. People no longer in the family aren't celebrating with you, and that kind of thing. But we wanted to just share what Christmas is like for you and you've lived on two continents uh, starting uh, being born in Nigeria and now living in the UK so I I think we'll be finding out you know a lot of different Christmas traditions that you that you have experienced and, and gone through
2: absolutely um, Christmas in Nigeria for me is so different from Christmas in the UK and I wonder whether it's down to two different cultures, or whether it's I was much younger when I was in Nigeria, and then I'm older now that I'm in the UK. I've got my own family, so maybe that's the difference. But the way that we celebrate Christmas in Africa and the way that Christmas is in the UK are two different things. And um, yeah, I'd love to talk about that.
1: Yeah, let's let's do that. I I'd love to hear a story of. Christmas when you were a little child there in Nigeria, what are some of the memories you have about Christmas?
2: So for me, my first memory of Christmas is always the music there was such a big thing around Christmas carols. We just loved to um, play Christmas music. Um, it was Bonnie M for me, Little Drummer Boy. That's my absolute go-to Christmas song, love it. That is, I hear that song and it takes me right back to my childhood um, because that was the song we used to play in the long car journey from the city to the village, which is our Christmas tradition. As as children, we, we lived in a in a big city, but once a year, every Christmas, Um, we would all get into the car um, as a family and travel all the way back home to um, our little village where we were from. Um, My dad used to do this odd thing, Um, he he wouldn't make us travel all together and I wouldn't say that he was being superstitious more, he was being careful. So him as the man would travel with one child and my mother would travel with the other children. And I think the rationale was God forbid something happened. There would always be one parent present. So that was the other sure. thing about Christmas. Um, but then we'd all go, we'll end up in the same place. And we had lots of family round. It was just a thing that used to happen. Everybody that lived in the city will come home to the village for Christmas. And, um, it wasn't about Christmas trees with lots of gifts under the trees. We didn't have any of that. But what we did get on Christmas Day is you would always have a new outfit. There would be just that Christmas outfit that was made from the same material for everybody. So we all look the same. And you'll get like... Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, would we'll absolutely look the same. Um, we'll get a new pair of shoes. Um, a week or so before the girls would have had their hair done with extensions and you know, pretty bowls and things that we just would not normally do. And there would be a lot of, you know, a lot of music, a lot of food, but also a lot of giving. That's another memory from my childhood because when we are coming from the city, my mom would always make sure that not only did we take food um, for the people that we were going to see, but our old clothes and shoes and things that we had outgrown, um, there was always the thing to put them in bags and then take them back to either the relatives or people in the local church, just people that didn't have anything. So for us, well, for me in particular, I grew up knowing Christmas as a time of getting new clothes but also a time of giving lots and lots. And that was what Christmas was like for everybody. Um, Nobody ever went without. Um, We always used to have like this little Christmas plays that we did, so we we wouldn't normally go to church to go and watch a play in so much as we, as the children in the family, would put on our own Christmas show. And it was exciting for us because it was also the time of the year where we got an audience with the adults. Um, growing up in Nigeria, there was always that thing about children should be seen, not heard. And so it was very, very unlikely that you would sit down and be with your parents or be with grown ups and be having conversations with them. But for Christmas, there was an exception because now the adults have to sit down and watch this play that we've put together or, or watch us, you know, sing this song or do something funny. And that was another joy of Christmas. Just, you know, being around our parents and, um, eating food that we would not normally eat and just being with family. Oh, it was wonderful.
1: Yes. Well, and I think food, um, food is so special in all of those, in, in those settings. Um, can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the favorite foods either that you helped make or you helped eat?
2: <laughs> um, oh, lots that I helped to eat. Um, Christmas for us would be, you know, jollof rice, fried rice, would have chicken, would have fish. Um, we didn't do the traditional Turkey and potatoes, and that kind of thing that we would do here in the UK, it was very much traditional food. Um, we would have pounded yam with different kinds of soup. And when we say soup, not like sweet potato soup or butternut squash soup, not that kind of soup, but more traditional soup that is. Um, what's the best way to describe? So we have like a goosey soup, um, very savory with cooked with meat and with fish and with you know different kinds of vegetables. And then we will eat that with um, pounded yam, yam being a root vegetable, but pounded in a way that you just literally swallow it um, instead of chewing it. And so, yes, I, I mean, for us, we would eat what was our native food and just really, really enjoy it.
1: My favorite is sugar cookies at Christmas. Do you have any sweets that you especially liked as a kid? Well, I, also as an adult. I mean, like I was a kid and an adult. I like sugar cookies.
2: Sugar cookies. Like <laughs> but cookie. was there
1: anything sweet like that that you that you would enjoy as a kid in Nigeria?
2: Oh yes, we have what we call puff puff, which is very much like a donut, um, but a, a slightly different consistency, and it's flour, that's just mixed with yeast and kind of like almost like a bread texture, but is deep fried. And some people coat it with sugar when it comes out of the frying pan hot, you know, with all the oil around it, and sometimes it's coated in sugar, but most times it's not because it's sweet enough on its own. Um, and then we also had tiny things that look like dough bowls, but we call them chin chin. And it is again, deep fried. I think we like a lot of deep fried food in Africa. I'm not sure, but. (laughs) Well, I mean,
1: that's good. Tasty. I don't know if it's necessarily good for you, but it's sure tasty. It's like
2: fried biscuits. That's the best way to describe it. Think about sugar cookies, deep fried in oil.
1: Oof, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that is very tasty. We, we lived in Kenya for a couple of years, and I think it was called Mendazi that mm-hmm. were kind of like donuts that uh, were such a treat. I also remember on Christmas, we lived close, we were quite high, about 7,200 feet, but we were near the equator. And on Christmas Day, it rained. Which, coming from Pennsylvania, that was kind of a downer. You wanted to have snow, you wanted to have a white Christmas. And it rained. But all the Kenyans said, oh, that's that's such a good gift from God to get rain on Christmas. Uh, were there things like that that, you know the the people said, Oh, this is God's gift to us, you know, special things on Christmas'
2: Um, to be honest, not that I can remember, um, because that time of the year actually is what we would normally um, see as the dry weather. So we would call it Hamatan as opposed to winter. It wasn't necessarily cold, but it was colder than normal times in the year. Um, but it was still hot, you know, and we would have funny kinds of rain. And so if, we, if, if there was anything that I could describe as being a very Nigerian superstitious thing is it will be sunny, but it will be raining as well. And we will have that juxtaposition of, of two different kinds of weathers happening at the same time. And then we grew up hearing that it means that an elephant is giving birth. So if it's sunny and it's raining, oh, an elephant has just had a baby. So those were the kind <laughs> of things that, you know, really made our childhood. Um, yeah. Those were the kind of things that you would hear around yeah, the that time. That's fun. Here. I know. I mean, how does that make any <laughs> sense? But we believed it. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> there you go. Yep. Um, and then you moved to the UK. And I imagine things felt very, very different during Christmas time.
2: Very, very different. Um, I remember my first Christmas in, in the UK. Even though I was much older, I came when I was about 20. Just, before I, just after I, ch- I turned 21, I came. Um, which is over 20 20 years ago now. Um, You don't have to confess. It's all right. We
1: don't have to.
2: (laughs) I've just said my age. Um, It was was a sad Christmas, Um, Hmm. not because I didn't have family. I came and my uncle was here and, you know, his wife was here and they had a new baby. But it was the first Christmas that I was away from family, from, you know, my siblings and my parents. But also it was the first Christmas that I saw Christmas in a different way um it's not the big family christmas that i was used to it felt lonely in an odd way and it was very cold that was the other thing because i'm used to really hot christmases that is about hot food and very cold drinks and then now i'm in the uk and it's about hot drinks and you know mince pies. i'd never eaten a pie in my life i didn't even know what they were um so the food was different the culture is different. It's, it's not as family oriented as it was, or as it can be in Africa. Um, people are just in their houses. You don't know what your neighbor is doing. Whereas back home, it just feels like you can walk into anybody's house and somebody somewhere is doing something. But even here, even today, you know, Christmas will come even this year. And except I make it a point to, you know, go to my neighbors, I might not see anybody. And it just feels so different from the culture that I'm used to where Christmas is all about everybody. It's all about families, all about getting together. In the UK, it's very chill. I think in America, it's it's very much that way. And it's, it's you know, it's all about people. Well, at least that's what I've seen in the movies. It's all about families and people coming together. And you have, like, you know, street lights being turned on and all of that festivity. It happens in the U.K. as well, but very low-key. So Christmas can be a very lonely season, except you are deliberately intentional um, to reach out and spend time with family. I found, or I find that in the U.K., I have to work hard to make Christmas be what it would have just been naturally in Africa. So for me, that's... Yeah, what are some
1: of the things... No, and that's that's a good word, because I think... There are um, in in the U.S. There are times of lonely Christmases um, as well, and families are fragmented. To say nothing of what happened during COVID, where we all went through quite a loneliness during uh, Christmas. How do what what are some of the things that you do that help you create that family, festive, neighborhood kind of feeling for Christmas?
2: So. For me personally, you know, like I said, I I grew up knowing Christmas as a time of giving and that's something that I've just continued to do. So much as I, you know, now as, you know, married with kids, I make Christmas about about them, but I also make Christmas about others. And I know that Christmas can be such a lonely time for many people, particularly people that would not normally get gifts. And so I run a nonprofit organization called Empower Woman, and it's focused on giving gifts to women over Christmas that would not normally get gifts. So these are women in prison, women in shelters, women that are homeless, um, just women that, for whatever reason, would. Not get a gift for Christmas, and we've done that since as a small charity, small organization. We've gone done that since 2014, and I believe that till date we've given out just under 12,000 free gifts.
1: So that's amazing. That that is so. Christmas is busy for me. That's one. Yeah,
2: the whole of Mm -hmm, Christmas, mm -hmm. all of December is busy for me because I spend the period wrapping gifts and buying gifts and getting gifts ready. And that's just another way that makes Christmas exciting for me, but then also for the other people that support the work that we do over Christmas.
1: How do you think that's impacted your own children as they've watched you do this?
2: It has, it has reminded them that there are people that are not as fortunate as they are. And in terms of impact, I'll give you a quick story. It was two or three years ago, um, my middle son, um, I, I get them to help with the wrapping of the gifts as well. And my middle son was preparing all these gifts for women. And he said to me, well, why do you always do gifts for women? And I said to him, "You know, I, I'm, that's the ministry that I'm called to. And he said to me, well, when I'm older, I would like to have an organization and I would call it Inspire a Man. And that was just precious for me to see that he's learned something from what I'm doing and it's inspiring him to want to do something when he's older for other men as well. So maybe, you you know, boys his age or other men. But then I've also seen them be quite generous. You know, this time of the year, they start to think about other people and not just think about themselves, think about their friends that might not have as much as they have. And. It's almost a culture in the house that, yes, Christmas is a time for them to get gifts, but it's also a time for them to think about other people. And I just love that because he's seen me do the work that I do and sometimes at great cost, either to my health or to my finances, but still being committed to serving others, it's teaching him the importance of wanting to do something similar um and you know that's a that's a real story and I actually have it on video because I said to myself I have to record this I had to get him on video saying that because I want him to remember it I want to have that thing that I can show to him later on and say you know you said that
1: oh that's that's very precious and you know you've been talking about the um the work that you do I'd love to know how do you keep if I can say it this way, kind of the Christmas spirit as you're going through, uh, leading up to Christmas day, what is it that feeds your soul, even as you're paying attention to the needs around you?
2: It's, it's always just been, an, it's always for me just been a time to be grateful, um, that I can find myself in a situation where I have enough for myself, but I also have enough to give others, it humbles me. And that's the thing that keeps me going. But also the thing that even keeps me going the most is I see God's hand in a way that is always supernatural. I tell you, we have to give gifts to at least 1,500 women. Majority of those women are in prison. The complexity that comes with that is we have to give them the exact same gift. So it's not the kind of thing that you ask people to donate um, because we have to buy in bulk. And that is always a lot of money. And each year I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And each year God reminds me that he's got a heart for these women in prison. And so seeing the faithfulness of God over the years where it's somebody that picks up the phone and calls me and says, God says that I should bless you or I find something at a ridiculous price. That means that i can afford it i know that god's hand is in it and that's what keeps me going even when i'm tired even when i'm discouraged i see god provide for his daughters in a way that is always so miraculous i can't help but think this is something that god wants to happen plus dare i say that there are only very few times that you are legally allowed to preach jesus just because of where we are um, in the world today but christmas is a time that we can. We still can. And so when we're sending gifts into these prisons, we can send a Christmas story and a card that says Jesus loves you. So it's such a powerful evangelical tool that, you know, it's it's hope.
1: It's hope. Oh, that's, that is, yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and you've been saying this, we're coming to the the end of our time, I wish I could keep going, maybe you could give us a story of one of the women that that you've touched in this last couple of minutes here.
2: So, because majority of the women that we support are in prison, they're not women that we ever really get to, or we should ever really get to see face-to-face or have any interaction with. Um, But one of the stories that has had a real impact on me is in 2018, at first, I was only um, supporting three prisons, and then I had the opportunity to take on another prison. And that year, I just felt like, do you know what? I could just say no. I'm so tired. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy to run around. I'm just going to say no. But somehow, there was something in me that says, just do it. And do you know, I, I did it that year. And that prison, the one that I was going to turn away, in the January of the, of the following year, I got my first letter from prison, from a woman in prison, and she had written this really long letter, it was like five or six pages, talking about the impact of that one gift. And it wasn't even a big gift, but the fact that she, one, took the time to research the organization online, took the time to even find a postal address, and took the time to write a letter about the impact of getting that one gift, it was just so wonderful to read. And all she said was, somebody is thinking about me. Somebody remembers me. And I don't feel like I deserve it. Why? It's just, yeah, it humbles me every no, time. that's beautiful. Every time it humbles mm, me.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, you've given us so many words, but I want you to have the closing, the closing word. What, what, do women need to focus on in in your mind um in this christmas holiday w- what can we be focusing on to keep our you know to keep our compass uh towards jesus
2: i think that there are two things that we can focus on as women uh, the first thing is focusing on others um christmas really is a time to you know love other people support other people practical acts of love and kindness gift giving opening your home to people and All of those wonderful things will make a huge difference focusing on others but it's also a time that we can focus on ourselves in god by learning from the women who grace the season of christmas there are three wonderful women i know that we're not going to have the time to talk about them but I see the Christmas story as a story that is centered around three wonderful women in the Bible. And Luke tells us that story. It's it's a story of Mary, it's a story of Elizabeth, and it's a story of Anna. These are three different women from three different de- um, generations that had three different um, things to bring to the birth and the Advent season of Jesus that are so powerful. And if we just take the time to focus on learning their stories and finding ourselves in the middle of their stories, there will be something that God is going to say to us in this season, whether you're a teenage girl like Mary or you're a middle aged woman like Elizabeth or you're a much older woman like Anna, who's 84 and still loving Jesus. There is something in that story for, any, for everybody. And that's one of the ways that we can really help ourselves this season. If we just take the time, read the story of these three women in Luke and ask God, where am I? In this Christmas story. What do you want to teach me here? And just wait for him to, you know, just bless our hearts out from the stories of these women.
1: Oh, that is such a good word. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much. And for sharing how uh, Christmas is um, such a key part of, of your life, as well as the your time in Nigeria and the Christmas customs there. Uh, this is a, it, it's an amazing God we serve. And I'm so inspired uh, by how you serve him. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with me and Serene and our listeners on the Alabaster Jar. And I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, even as you wish so many women, including those in prison, a very Merry Christmas. Thank
2: you. Thank you so much for having me and Merry Christmas to all the listeners and to you as well.
0: If you enjoyed today's conversation with Amanda, please visit her website to learn more, support her work, and connect. We've left that link in the episode description for you. We'll be wrapping up our Advent series next week, so please subscribe, share, and join us here next Tuesday for another episode of the Alabaster Jar podcast.